Personal log, Perfectus Align of the Adeptus Administratum. It has been four solar months since my first personal log. There has been a lull in my work for in the past week. No items, locations, or entities to discuss into this Vox recorder. And for that, I am somewhat grateful. Though I know a report is surely underway in mere moments. I do, however, wonder how it may be delivered to me. The pneumatic pipes to deliver the documents have been making the strangest noises. Rattling and banging echoes throughout my chambers, though for now it seems to have ceased. I wonder what the tech adepts are up to. What machinations they work upon high above me in the sorting chamber. I suppose I will find out as the report passes through the administratum systems. All in all, events seem quiet. The retinue returned from a voyage twelve hours prior, hence why I am to believe that there would be a document of some kind. I just don't know when it might arrive. Ah. Greetings, Prefectus A-Line. I have documents for you. What? Oh, yes. Very good. Uh, approach and hand it to me then. Here are your documents, Prefectus A-Line. You... you can leave now. Are you having a good day? Um, as good as it normally gets, I suppose. Again, you can leave now. As you wish. I hope you have a good rest of your day, Prefectus A-Line. Continued personal log. Reminder to speak with the tech adepts about Servitor 137-B. I do not think they are meant to make pleasantries or, um, smile, but perhaps I am mistaken. Report number 16 of objects and locations collected and surveyed beginning now. The object in question was recovered forever by chance, over intentional reclamation as opposed to other recovered objects. The object was recovered from an apparent battlefield within the verdant wilderness of the planet of Adorum. Several aspects of this battle site set it apart from others. The battle itself seemed to have taken place between Eldar and humans. Upon examination of the skeletal remains, this battle seemed to have happened over a decade prior. The planet of Indorum is home to exodite populations and tribal humans that seem to operate in tentative unison. It was decided that not interfering with these societies was best for all involved. Exodites are powerful warriors and for societies far outnumbered the capabilities of a vast indomitable. So for now, life is permitted to continue in all regards. On with the oddities of the battle site. Combat seems to have been against a single human assailant all bodies barring one were unclothed, but not unarmed. The single armoured figure was not of Exodite or of human origin, but of the Dark Eldar. The object recovered is thus suspected to be of their production. In the Inquisitor's view, the battle began shortly after the arrival of the Dark Eldar woman. Her ornate armour, now covered in the verdant plant life of the planet, suggested a high rank in Drukhari society. Of the other bodies, clothing and weapons were found nearby. Neatly folded and now covered in plant life, 
suggesting that the unclothed Eldar and humans involved were performing some sort of joint ritual or meeting, possibly cooperative or peaceful in nature. It was a member of the Guard who retrieved the object in question, noted in this document from now on as 16-A, catching the gleam of the blade in their eye. They broke rank, informing their squad as they did so, to pick up the blade that was held within the skeletal remains of the apparent assailant. The blade was 20 imperial inches in length, with a single-handed design. Curved with many points and edges, it was an elegant but equally brutal weapon. The blade's function was not apparent to 16A, suspecting a normal blade. Unfortunately for them, it was anything but, and grasping the hilt within their hand, they were afflicted by the weapon's effects. The squad that had accompanied 16-A quickly called for a medic as the screaming started. 16-A had had their hand penetrated by millions of microscopic needles, digging into flesh and bone within their grasp and practically fusing their blade to their hand. News of the event quickly reached the Inquisitor. What happened next was a brutal affair of blood and viscera. As the squad attempted to assist in the removal of the blade, 16-A's screams turned from paint agony to maniacal laughter. The blade's disruption field activated, a power weapon's primary method of cleaving through bone and armor with ease, and the weapon was put to full effect. 16-A used the blade, bisecting several of their former squad members laterally with a single well-placed swing. Their laughter was piercing in tone, their eyes maddened with whatever they had been afflicted by. The remaining members of 16A's squad opened fire with their hotshot glass weapons, though no strike seemed to land, only grazing blows as 16-A demonstrated extreme feats of agility and battle tactics, far beyond what they were capable of before picking up the blade. Two sisters of battle, members of the retinue, clad in crimson armour, arrived and attempted to assist in the situation, opening fire with their bolt guns, thunderous weapons that promised to obliterate 16-A, assuming any shot landed upon them. Unfortunately, no shots did, and in fact, one bolt around was found to have been cut apart by the movements of the Dark Eldar blade in their hand, based on spectral analysis of marks upon the blade after the battle. How 16-A managed this, whether it was luck or a natural skill caused by the infliction, was unknown. All in all, Ten guardsmen were killed, and one Adeptus Sororitas was wounded before the intervention of the Inquisitor herself, acting with incredible speed comparable to 16A. The Inquisitor grasped the bladed hand within her own power fist, and, utilising her own physical strength and the power fist's disruption field, removed the blade and hand from 16A from their body. 16A ceased attempting to assail other members of the retinue soon after this. Still laughing and seemingly undeterred by the pain of losing a hand, they were suitably detained and brought back to the ship alongside the blade that was to be analysed in a secure environment. While still under detainment, 16-A was treated for their wounds. Their laughter persisted, but through it, in moments of apparent lucidity, they questioned the Inquisitor and her retinue, seeking answers for questions none quite understood. It was decided upon completion of proper medical attention. 16-A would be interviewed before further treatment or termination. Upon the vast indomitable, the blade was escorted by the Inquisitor herself to research complex 2. Tachydeps were personally warned of the danger involving a weapon and the potential for infliction by unknown means. 
but Tekadeps heeded this warning and began their examination. Meanwhile, 16-A was placed in an interrogation room within the vast indomitable. Met by the Inquisitor and an interrogator, questioning began. 16-A introduced themselves through bouts of laughter as Malatrix, an Archon of the Dark Eldar species. When pressed on this, they admitted they mustn't much like, like it, being within a human body after all. 16-A asked the Inquisitor if she enjoyed the contraption, referring to the blade. 16-A explained that the blade's hilt contained a concoction of combat drugs, alongside an unarticulate poison designed to rewrite the blade of the afflicted. Examination of the blade by Tekadeps and microscopic inspection of the poison within 16-A and the blade's hilt confirmed this poison to exist, but as to how it worked, none can be sure. Under questioning, 16-A stated that the blade was a ticket to immortality. Anyone who picked it up would become Malatrix in essence, though they admit that in the end, the plan was poorly thought out. A project of passion without consideration for the realities of death. 16-A names Malatrix, the original, a fool. Finding it funny, hilarious even, that Malatrix considered the weapon a potential tool to live forever. The Inquisitor pushed upon this line of thinking. 16-A explained. It was ten solar years prior when Malatrix arrived on the planet Adorum. Spotting a peaceful, ritualistic meeting between traveled humans and exodites on the planet, she landed her craft nearby and approached the group. Looking across the disrobed group of Eldar humans that stood before her, Malatrix picked a particularly powerful-looking woman from among the humans, forcing the blade into her hand and triggering the events as seen with 16-A. Screaming pain followed by maniacal violence. It was, however, to be Malatrix's undoing, as the first victim of her blade was none other than herself. Pierced with the gore churning barbs of the blade, she fell to the floor and watched as her last thoughts and memories were uploaded through a neural uplink to the nano poison. She watched as her doppelganger slaughtered the exodites and humans around her laughing in her own voice, before eventually being slain by a striking Storpion who had managed to draw their weapon and defended himself against the attacking woman. A mighty duel ensued. The soil slick red with the blood beneath her bare feet, a quietly whirring chainsword versus a mighty power blade. Strikes and blows were exchanged. Sparks flew through the air upon each clash, until finally, in a mutual pact of destruction, both the striking scorpion exodite and the afflicted woman fell to the floor. Malatrix died of her wounds soon after. The last of her memories and the delirium of death uploaded to the poison before perishing completely. Giggling, almost sweetly, 16-A asked what was to happen to them. The Inquisitor informed them that they would be kept under observation for some sort of cure or aspect of recovery from the nanopoison. 16-A laughs, calling the Inquisitor naive if she thinks the human they reside within can be recovered. The Inquisitor replies, quote, If a simple act of compassion is naive, then so I shall be. The Inquisitor further informed 16-A that if no cure or chance of recovery was found within an unspecified time frame, then 16-A would be executed. Ending this report, 16-A remains in quarantine, within the medical facilities of a vast indomitable.
under daily observation via the medical adepts who can provide care for one such as themselves. They are not expected to make a return to the retinue, but recovery in some form is hoped for. That sends for a report. I must admit, I am surprised by the Inquisitor's kindness, but then I suppose I do not know her well. I only know a precedent set by others within her line of work, a vague of understanding of their role in society. On the note of this report, I do not feel as viscerally upset, but nonetheless, some things do not sit right with me. The pursuit of immortality, it's alien to me. Raised to seek martyrdom through my work, through my actions. My goal in life was raised to die in the service of the Emperor. The idea of immortality is so thoroughly strange to me, so confusing. When my life is sure to have an end, and I have known this so long that I have accepted it, the idea of living forever, I don't know. It's such a confusing concept. Perfect is a line, signing off. May we hope for good tidings in the future.